We are on lesson number eight. Lesson number eight. <clears throat> Get that tucked in there. Wire management. Andy knows all about that. There we go. Lesson number eight, dare to stay clean. And so this lesson um, kind of goes over, um, it's not a lesson about David and Bathsheba's uh, sin, but it's kind of a lesson using that example as how we can be, like if, if I was to title it, if you were to title it and not try to keep in with his uh, uh, dare, kind of his whole like theme of the book, uh, really just being, um, being able to stay, um, just being clean for, uh, be a clean vessel to be used of the Lord. Um, so yeah, let's, let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer. Mr. Reader, could you open us up in a word of prayer? <clears throat> Father, this evening, uh, we just want to thank you for the Lord Jesus and we thank you that through him we can have a relationship with you. Lord, now as we uh, look into your word, um, and particularly this subject that's been announced already, we just pray that you would work in each of our hearts and lives, help us each to desire and strive to be clean and be usable for you. And we pray you'd have your will and way in our hearts and lives. Help us learn what we need to. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, it's something like the Lord has really been working on uh, my heart and my wife's heart for a while now. It's just um, we really want to, we, we desire to desire to be used of the Lord. And with that, we do desire uh, to be used of the Lord, if that makes any sense. But we want even more desire to be used of the Lord. So it seems like the Lord just kind of keeps bringing a lot of these like lessons back around uh, in our minds of, like, I guess because we're adulting, you know, the, the term today. But more than that, uh, adulting in the, uh, being a, a Christian, uh, um, we're maturing uh, as a Christians, um, you know, things you bought your parents do, and you look up to that and, um, and the good things, and you want to be like that. And um, my parents always said, you know, they desire us to do more than they ever were able to do. Um, so as we strive for those things, we kind of like, okay, now we're in it. We are, we are in it. How do we make it happen? So this this is kind of one of those lessons of that of how can how can the Lord use us? And we know the Lord likes to use clean vessels. So this is a challenge uh, for us to stay clean, um, so we can be used of Him. So introduction here: the word we the world we live in today, and this has been said many times uh, throughout this book because it's just true. Um, uh, the theme of the world today, you know, is uh, if it feels good, do it. But we always need to remember God's restrictions as we pass through the sinful world. These restrictions are in place uh, because our Father loves us and wants the best for us. Not only when we're raising our kids, our kids don't uh, quite understand some things yet, 
but we do um, like jumping on the couch. You know, that's all fun and games, and it comes to a point where you have to tell them to stop because they're getting a little wild and they don't understand that. But it's because we love them. We don't want them falling off. And as our saying in the house is, falling off and breaking your face. So um, the reason why God puts our these things out boundaries is not so we don't have to keep us from having fun or uh, fulfilling some needs in our lives, but it's to fulfill needs in our lives and to, uh, because he loves us and wants the best for us, not just the second best or anything. He wants the very best for us. So that's why he has these things um, for us. And no better example of this than uh, the things of marriage. Um, so in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, is that in, in the book? All right. Dad, could you go ahead and start out and read that one? Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. So Satan is constantly trying to take the good and move it out of its proper place. That is where this lesson begins. We will see that David made a series of decisions, a series of decisions that led him towards disaster. God's word gives us an honest and complete picture of David, the good and the bad. And as we looked about um, on was it Wednesday nights last year of the Bible and um, just what it is and how true it is, this is kind of like one of those stories. Oh, and I, that term I was hanging on to because it was a new, new word. Ah, oh, man, I already forgot it. Basically, it doesn't, it's not a fairy tale. It gives the good and the bads of the, of the stories. It's just honest about things. Um, this is a good example of that. <clears throat> if I think of that term, that's going to drive me nuts. Is it candor, maybe? I think it's candor. Yeah. All right, so here's another new term for me. It's a point number one. It starts with a D. I've never actually heard of this word. And it means... And the word is deliance. And I guess what that means, uh, I'm not sure if anybody else has heard of it. Um, a very, it's a term for dabbling in, um, playing around, and it can mean in the other sense of the, of the word as well. Uh, have bad connotations there. It can be just as simple as that, or it can mean, you know, what we'd say, messing around as well. So we see... Uh, See David doing this very thing that he shouldn't be messing around with some things. Oftentimes, Satan deceives people into thinking that they can dabble in sin with no long-term effects. He wants us to think that despite what has happened to others, sin will turn out differently for us. That we can all uh, that we can have all the pleasures with none of the penalties. Um, we see that. You know, in the moment, David never foresaw or never maybe even thought about. Um, I mean, that was his biggest thing. He never took time to consider what the consequences were. Uh, he never seen these horrific consequences uh, with his sin with Bathsheba. It is always wise to consider the end of a thing before embarking upon an action. 
God's word urges us to count the cost in Luke 14, 28. Uh, had David taken a moment to do this when he saw Bathsheba, the entire story would have been different. And one of mom's favorite, favorite sayings, um, and I guess it's by an unknown author, sin will take you further than you intend to go, keep you longer than you intended to stay, and cost you far more than you ever intended to pay. That is just very, very true um, statement there. All right, subpoint A, there are sins of omission. Let's see those 10 cent words there, sins of omission. Many times uh, trouble would have been averted if we would stay busy doing the things we are supposed to do. Such was the case of David when he sinned with Bathsheba. In this story, David sent Joab against Amnon, or Ammon, against Ammon and uh, to besiege the city of uh, Rabbah. We are not told why David did not go out to war. Was it because of the fact that battle was going to be a long siege instead of one de decisive engagement? Was he not feeling well? Or did he just feel that it was time for someone else to lead the battle because he was about 50 years old at this time? Uh, we can only speculate, but the Bible, do uh, the Bible does not say. And on that, yeah, I think that's where we get into a lot of ourselves into a lot of trouble of we don't feel well enough to do the right things. Um, we're just too tired to come to church. Uh, we're too tired to do something. Um, and sometimes we can get, you know, I think a lot of, you, you think of a lot of these major names that have fall have these big falls, you wonder if they were like that of they have, you start to think that you have rights and uh, you're too strong. Um, I, don't, I don't have weakness in this area. Um, those kind of things, you start getting yourself lifted up in pride and you don't guard yourself because everybody has um, a sinful nature. and uh, So we got to really watch ourselves from this. So whatever... David's reasoning was for going out to battle. The Bible does specifically say um, that this was the time when kings go forth to battle. And David did not go. Um, so today, uh, today's Christians need to be serving, but many do not. We often miss opportunities for a blessing because we have decided to step out of, a, out of the battle for a while. We often do things we should not do because we are not busy doing the things we should do. The familiar hymn says, Onward Christian soldiers marching as to war. Real soldiers realize that their training, we have one in the congregation today, that their training and equipment are meant for the battleground, not the parade ground. Yeah. That kind of like stuck with me of, you know, how often do we do things, um, you know, read our Bible, uh, pray for the, the fact of being a good Christian and not so much. These are our weapons. Um, these, are, these aren't to parade with. These are, our, these are our weapons of warfare that we need to use and not, not use them. 
to show, but to use them for what they are. So this first fateful step led David uh, to the really the first temptation and ultimately his sin, uh, just not being uh, doing what he was supposed to be doing. Um, so, but instead he, de- he decided to stay home this one time. Many times we end up doing what we shouldn't do because we fail to do what we should do. When you omit doing what's right, you will almost always end up doing wrong. One decision leads to other decisions. Choosing one road leads to other choices of roads. We can't always see where the road is heading. That is why we need to stay close to God and let Him lead. James 4, 17. Um, we'll, we'll go around the room here. And we'll go Mr. Reader, then back to the... Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Yep, so we see here, we don't do what we should do. We know it's right, and we don't do it. The Bible calls it sin. Uh, that's, that's pretty tough, um, very tough. Uh, we also see uh, the truth of James 14 in the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, verses 30 uh, through 37, where the priest and the Levite fail to come to the aid of uh, the injured traveler although they could uh, clearly see that he was in need. The tragic portion of David's life began when he omitted doing what was right. All right. So we do see here, yeah, the sins of omission. Not only are we, are we sinning, and it could lead to sin, but also we, we miss blessings uh, because of that. Uh, I do wonder how many blessings you know I have missed, um, specifically like talking to people uh, about the Lord and just chicken out um, or other things, and I've probably missed so many blessings. Um, so it's not only sin, but also what you you miss out on. All right, subpoint B, if we have sins of omission, there are sins of commission. Commission. All right, Satan will constantly throw things before our eyes in an effort to tempt us to commit sin. One of his tactics has always been uh, to work through the lust of the eyes. But while uh, he may tempt us to sin, he cannot force us to sin. James chapter 1, 14 and 15. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So uh, when David saw Bathsheba, he could have and should have immediately turned from her and fixed his thoughts elsewhere. Instead, he allowed the temptation and the lust to conceive and bring forth sin. Too often, we think we can handle both sin and its consequences. And too often, we think we can handle thinking about sin, uh, what Bible is, which is lust. Um, 
and those things. But God's word is clear. The only way to avoid consequences of sin is to avoid sin itself. And the Bible clearly says, you know, even um, the thought of foolishness is sin. So even, the, even dwelling on things is sin. You don't even have to do things for it to be sin. It just, um, the Bible adds very, very strict things here because it, it tells us what, what does it bring forth uh, when, when, lust ha- when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So the Lord doesn't want death for us. Um, so that's why he draws those lines. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7. Let not, not wise in thine own eyes, for the Lord will fear the Lord and depart from evil. All right, yep. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. Uh, We've seen people uh, forced to confess publicly what they have publicly denied and hoped would remain a secret. Uh, To name a few, President Clinton, Tiger Woods, John Edwards, and even more sadly, a number of, of preachers. We cannot keep secrets from God at all, and we cannot keep him from bringing it all out and into the open. And with some of those, uh, kind of what we are talking about before of, and what Proverbs 3, 7 talks about, is I think sometimes we get wise in our own eyes and we think, yeah, we could think we can handle this stuff, but we shouldn't. We should fear the Lord and depart from evil. Um, so you kind of wonder if that's what happens to, to these other uh, big names of like, why would these people want to do something so when they have everything anything and everything you could possibly want and they go make these big mistakes um, perhaps it's that uh, same way with David uh, we don't get a free pass from the consequences of sin just because we're Christians sometimes we get it worse because we know better and because we bring shame to God's name this principle is illustrated in the Gospel of Luke. Luke 12, 47 through 48. And that which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did not commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. Uh, of him shall be much required. And to him and to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. We as Christians must ask God to give us strength to call upon the Lord when temptation comes. It is a wonderful thing to know that he will never leave us or forsake us, and he is always listening for our prayer. Every believer ought to take encouragement from 1 Corinthians 10.13. 1 Corinthians 10.13. Yep. There is no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. That's a really encouraging verse right there. Um, there's, always, there's always a way to escape, and the Lord's always looking out for us, and He always has... Um, that way of escape for us. He will never tempt us more than we 
them are able. Uh, illustration story, and I'm sure we've probably all heard it, but it's always pretty good. In an old comedy show, Doc Campbell was confronted by a patient who said, Doctor, doctor, I've broken my arm in two places. The doc replied, well then, stay out of those two places. Uh, we may, he may have something there. We cannot regularly put ourselves in the face of temptation and not be affected. When faced with the problem of temptation, we need to take the good doctor's advice and stay out of them places. This may be the best way for us to avoid committing sin. All right, point two, point two, the defilement. With sin comes defilement. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Though your sins be as scarlet, though they be red like crimson. Despite the appearance the devil tries to put on it, sin is ugly. Sin will mark and change people. One of Satan's great lies is that sin doesn't matter, but no action is without its consequences. Newton's third law of motion is, for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. Galatians chapter 6, 7 through 8 puts it like this. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. When we sow sin in our lives, we reap defilement. When God wants to use a Christian, he will always prefer one with a clean life. And that takes, uh, reminds me of what Pastor Bankhead would always say. Uh, yeah, he, he, had, he had a probably unpolitically correct analogy, uh, so I'll kind of modify. He had a, a good dog and a bad dog, and whichever dog you feed, feed the best, um, feed the most, is which one's going to be the stronger dog and keep the other one from reigning in, in your life. So always feed the good dog. Um, so, that's what, what Galatians here is talking about. In great measure, according uh, to a quote here, it says, In great measure, according to the purity and perfections of the instrument, will be the success. It is not the great talents God blesses so much as great likeness to Jesus. A holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. And that's a quote from Robert Murray, um, a Scottish pastor. I think I've heard of that name, but I'm not really sure who he is. But. So that's uh, pretty, pretty, pretty neat saying there. Um, basically, God doesn't need our abilities and our talents. Now, you come to think about it, the Lord's the one who made us, so he, can, he doesn't need any of that. He just needs our, um, just needs to be able to use us. Right? We need to be a clean vessel that he can use us. Um, all right, so sub-point A, God's what are what? Standards are high, very high. Second Samuel 12, 7 through 9. And Nathanael said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the, land, the hand of Saul. And I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom, 
and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandments of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with a sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with a sword of the children of Ammon. Well, I think I stole your guys' turn last time. Sorry about that. All right. Nathan confronted David with his sin by directly telling him that he had not just broken a moral law or a marriage vow, but he had actually despised the commandment of the Lord. And that's one of those things that, like, really strikes me in the heart with that verse of, you know, the Lord says he's given David everything. He's given um, his master's wives unto their bosom. He's given the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given to, unto thee such and such things. How often does the Lord say that to us when we um, despise his commandments? Sin defiles a person's judgment. If David had heeded his own vow, his own earlier vow uh, in Psalms 101 verse 3 which says I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes he would have averted a great tragedy God urges his children to see evil coming and to avoid it Proverbs 22 verse 3 the prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself but the simple pass on and are punished the Lord has clearly stated the high standards of moral behavior God's Ten Commandments are not the Ten Suggestions. They are basic, direct, and easy to understand. Those who obey them will be blessed, and those who will not will always suffer consequences. Deuteronomy 11, 26-28 says, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. And a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. Not only was David's judgment defiled, but his heart was defiled also. David's fellowship with God was broken when he committed the sin with Bathsheba, and it wasn't until David repented of his sin that his fellowship was, with God was restored. We get a glimpse into David's repentance in Psalms 51. Psalms 51, 9 through 12. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me, cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. God cannot ignore sin. When we defile ourselves with the sins of this world, we lose fellowship with God. But just like David, we can repent and restore the joy of our relationship with a loving and forgiving God. Subpoint B. God's vessels Oh, I just gave it away. God's vessels need to be holy. holy. <laughs> yeah, man. God's vessels need to be holy. 1 Thessalonians 4 through four. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. And every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. In this passage, the Apostle Paul clearly states what God is looking for in his servants. The word sanctification, which means holiness 
a state of purity is used twice. First, the Bible says that it is the will of God that we would be sanctified. Second, we are to keep our bodies in a state of sanctification. What is most critical to understand is that this is God's will for us. A vessel is a container which usually holds something more valuable than itself. Our bodies, Paul tells us, are the temples of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which uh, ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So then as Christians, we are the dwelling place of God's Holy Spirit. It is only right and reasonable that we would provide the Holy Spirit with a holy habitation. Not only that, but because God purchased us with the blood of Christ, we belong to Him. He has the right to, com to complete. Uh, he has the right to complete authority over His own possessions. Paul also tells his son in the faith, Timothy, uh, that if we purge ourselves to be washed and cleansed, then God will allow us to be a vessel used for honorable purposes. 2 Timothy 2.21 If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Do we want God to use us in his service? Then again, we need to be clean. Uh, it's a good illustration here. Dr. John, uh, I don't even know how to say his last name. Um, let's say, well, we'll just call him Dr. John, uh, has often shared the story of how that after exercising, he desires a large drink of cold water. Upon re-entering his home, he will go into the kitchen he has several choices um, to fulfill his thirst. He can get a bottle of water from the refrigerator. He can get a glass and get water from the faucet. But he states that he has always walks past his first available source of water. It might look clear and it might be fresh, but he will not drink it because it is a vessel of dishonor. This water is the dog's bowl. So. <laughs> uh, God wants uh, to use us as his vessel to reach those around us, but we must keep ourselves clean so we are fit for his service. We may find ourselves in compromising situations as David did, but we should remember that Christ has already conquered our sin, and we do have to let it and we don't have to let it be our master. We do not have to live defiled lives. We can be holy vessels ready for God to use. All right, point number three, the disaster. When we hear the word disaster, we may think of historical events such as the explosion of the Hindenburg, the sinking of the Titanic, or natural disasters like the Hurricane Katrina or the eruption of, Sound, the eruption of Mount St. Helens or COVID-19. But in God's eyes, a much greater disaster occurs when one of his children makes the decision to disobey him and, and brings his heartbreaking consequences upon himself and others. 
uh, in the story of David and Bathsheba, one little part of one little part of one verse deals with a sin, but chapter after chapter shows the consequences. For this brief indulgence, David paid for the rest of his life, and many other people suffered as well. There is just no way to make it pretty. David stole another man's wife, and he ordered Bathsheba's husband to be killed. David was forgiven, but he still paid dearly for what he had done. The Bible speaks honestly of sin and admits that sin does cause pleasure, but only for a short season. Hebrews chapter 11, 24 through 25. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So the Bible does say yeah, there is pleasure in sin, but it's only temporary. It is selfish, and the long-term pain far outweighs the short-term pleasure. It is not worth it. We need to get a good understanding of sin now while we are thinking rationally and make a decision to stay clean before we get into a situation where making the right decision will be difficult. So like goes into my our uh, timeshare kind of thing. So we'll just call the timeshare sin. All looks good. All seems good. It's like, you know, in the moment. And this guy with his uh, heartbreaking story and his wonderful fatherly advice and it's going to save us money and uh, fulfill all of our family needs and desires through this little bitty cost, you know. There seems no reason why not to do it in the moment. But we already made the decision before we went in there that, no, we're not buying it because we know it's not what it's cracked up to be. So um, that's, what, that's what we need to do with, with, with sin. Uh, there are, sub point A, there are consequences to ourselves. Uh-huh. Good one. There are consequences to ourselves. Second Samuel eleven twenty seven. When morning was past, David sent and fetched, to, fetched her to his house, and she became his wife, but and bare him a son, that the king, that the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. And Second Samuel twelve ten. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. The consequences of David's actions, very simply was God's unhappiness with him. Despite all of David's effort to cover his sin, and despite all the rumors and conflicting stories that must have been circulating throughout the kingdom for months concerning the death of the brave Uriah and the remarriage of his widow to the king, the fundamental fact remained that the thing that David hath done displeased the Lord. And uh, as we... And, and too often, um, we're just not close enough to the Lord where that really sinks in. You know, with David, he was really close to the Lord. And that really, um, you see through the Psalms of how that really affected him. But as, you know, what are those things 
um, that makes us most happy in life um, is pleasing those that are like the closest to you, like pleasing my wife, uh, doing things that, you know, Joe has fun and, um, you know, how much time and energy and effort do we, do we seek doing those things? Because those things are amazing and you can, you know, please those that are closest to you. Uh, how much more should we view that with, with Christ and how just the fellowship and the heartbreak and things aren't right between you and your spouse or you and your children or you and your parents. Um, luckily, we're past that stage. <laughs> but I, we all have memories of that, of when you do something wrong and just... When you realize that you've really disappointed your parents, like how heartbreaking that can be, um, that should be the same way, and it is the same way with 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 God, with us. But maybe we should be the same way um, back to Him. And so we must remember that our actions will either help or hinder our walk with God. When we do wrong, we cannot be comfortable spending time with God. Uh, their sin and shame caused Adam and Eve to hide themselves from God. Sin's consequences is a breach in our relationship with God because ongoing sin in our lives hinders our prayers. We see that with uh, children, and they know they disobey. They don't typically want to sit in your lap. Um, it's, it's really interesting. Psalms chapter 66, verse 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. All right, sub-point B, sub-point B, there are consequences to others. There are consequences to others. Second Samuel chapter 11, verse 17. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab, and there fell some of the people of the servant to David, and Uriah the Hittite died also. Second Samuel 12, verse 18, and it says... Uh, and it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died, and the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voice. How he then, how will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? The list of those affected by David's sin is lengthy. We immediately think of Uriah, the brave and stalwart soldier whose loyalty to the cause ultimately resulted in David's choosing to kill him. Um, yeah, that's in 2 Samuel 11. Uh, Bathsheba might be seen by some as one who is enjoying upward mobility, but she lost the husband of her youth and her firstborn child. David's sin resulted in numerous problems and, and difficulties for his family. And we see that, man, David's family was a mess. Um, all the weird and crazy things that happened in his family's, uh, in his family's lives. He really has paid. Uh, you just think of what, what would have been different if, um, you know, he was where he was supposed to be, if his I mean, the Bible clearly says that this was a direct result of his sin, so it would have been a whole lot different. So it's very obvious that, that God's prophecy, prophecy was fulfilled in 2 Samuel 
12.10, where Nathan told David, the sword shall never depart from thine house. I can't imagine, like, uh, you know, with Absalom of having a, a son or somebody that close that, like, you're warring, that somebody, somebody that close is trying to kill you. I don't know. This unfathomable. Uh, so what David would probably... Uh, what David had probably thought would be a one-time fling ultimately wrecked havoc and resulted in bloodshed and heartbreaking tragedy for his family and kingdom for a long, long period of time. In Numbers 32-23. Be sure your sin will find you out. In conclusion, for the rest of his life, David suffered for his sin, and others suffered as well. This truth cannot be overemphasized. Actions have consequences. We may believe that our words and actions don't matter. Uh, I even go, yeah, uh, I even think our, our thoughts don't matter. Um, well, we listen to um, those things. But God's word says otherwise. It will always. It is always wise to look beyond the moment and to look down the road. A quote here from Dr. Bob Jones Sr. says, Never sacrifice the permanent on the altar of the immediate. That's a pretty good saying. So that is the lesson for today. You know, as, as we see, yeah, it's just a good lesson in you know, if, if we're gonna be used of God, we need to be need to be clean. Um and we can be, what, what the Lord can do through us if we are, and if we're not, how much, like why? <laughs> we all sin, we have a sin nature, and, and we're going to, but it just doesn't make, make sense. Um, so we're going to use the Lord, we need to stay clean. Yeah, if you want to come up and close us and give us closing thoughts and close us in prayer. Something that's come up time and time again in some of our lessons um, is the sins of omission <laughs> being so so strong uh, because that's what leads us into sins of commission. And uh, just to think about that, you know, you know, as guys, I mean, we get up and we go to work, you know, every morning, sort of say. Um, you know, that alarm clock works or the sun rises or the truck's going down the road that you hear in your window that means you need to get up or whatever those things are. I mean, day in and day out and we go to work and we come home and we talk to our wives and they know where we're at. You know, that just constant of doing what we're supposed to do keeps us um, from doing something we shouldn't do. And we should understand that those are good things. And we should create those things in our life. I mean, the devil's, I mean, he barges right in your door sometimes. I've, uh, I've just recently had a text, a random text of a group text that came in was totally, totally filthy. Just from out of nowhere. And then there was a response of somebody else saying, where did you get my number? And, uh, you know... It's, it's going to come at us regardless. What do I do with that? I, you know, I could get rid of that thing. <laughs> you know, um, I went down every 
number that there was 20 on the list and you know block their their numbers you know, I don't know what else to do how to how to get it off I don't know how to delete a text I tried figuring things out but I get a little concerned you hit the wrong button and respond to somebody or something you know um, but there's enough of that coming at us and we just need to have an open door we just need to be wide open in the light responsible to each other and that's a good thing so just a thought that we might be clean before God you know all right let's pray father thank you for your blessings this life Lord and the lesson and the reminder of to be a clean vessel in our bodies and in our minds. And so, Father, may we be something that you can use to be a clean vessel, for we ask it in Jesus' name.